what I really, really had to do was to engage with my future clients as soon as possible. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters today. I'm excited to have my guest, Angel Rebo. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Matt. How are you today? I am doing excellent. And Angel is the CEO confidant and he's an influencer, international TV host, public speaker, CEO consultant, board member, philanthropist, and he's based out of Texas. And in early 2017, he launched his international foundation called Wisdom for Kids. And he's helped more than a thousand underprivileged kids in Latin America become entrepreneurs using local resources. But today we're going to talk about something a little bit different than that. But I, I, we can we can talk a little bit more about that also. Angel, why don't you give us kind of a quick once over on what it is that you help CEOs do? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So basically, in a nutshell, both corporate CEOs and established entrepreneurs, they, they hired me to bridge the gap, you know, globally for expansion and exposure. I basically use internationalization strategies to help them accelerate the growth of their businesses. That's basically what I do. Sure. And I saw, uh, I was doing a little, a little snooping, of course, right before the show. I saw that you said your goal is 810,000 kids to help them become entrepreneurs. That was an oddly specific and large number. So I wanted to ask you how you came up with that number. It was a percentage of the total population of kids of kids in need. So it's very sad to know that there are 170 million kids in Latin America and 81 million, 81 million live in poverty. And 22 of these 81 actually don't have they don't have drinking water at home. OK, so, you know, all of us, the ones listening to this podcast right now, we go, you know, we need water, we need a shower, we need to jump into the pool, we need to water the garden, we have everything available. That's why uh, why we came up with this number. That was just complaining because we don't have hot water at home. <laughs> <laughs> you see, it's kind of a funny story. Tell me. You know, I was I was talking with Ryan Hanley, who's, who's a guest who's been on our show a couple of times. He's the author of the book Content Warfare. But. We were talking about political strategies and whatever people think about, you know, Trump or Biden or whoever in the United States, Trump's team, his social media team specifically had talked about how their goal in, in the media was to conquer a new enemy every day. So they have to come up with some problem or some group or some something that's the enemy. Right. And then say how they overcame this obstacle or conquered this enemy every single day, which honestly is kind of a brilliant media strategy, you know, from a political standpoint. But I, the reason that it made me think of it is I moved into this 150 year old house. Right. I, actually, I think it's 170 year old house in Nova Scotia. And there's a new problem to conquer every single day. Right? <laughs> so like we couldn't the, the power went out in the garage and like one outlet somewhere because something hadn't been connected up properly. So we had the electrician out and he got the, all that solved and he left and everything was working. And then I went to take a shower the next day. And there's no hot water. And then I can't get my hot water tank to restart for some reason because it's oil fired. I don't know anything about it. Like, so every day it's one more new problem, right? And that's why I'm out of hot water. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, I, I've been I've been showering with cold water for the last four years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. That, some people are they just swear by it. 
I am not a cold water chef, but also, you know, not everybody who does that lives in Canada. <laughs> it's going to be minus 13 Celsius tonight. So if you want a cold shower in the morning and then go out at minus 13, all the power to you. Just make sure you really dry off well. <laughs> so let's talk about this. We had talked before the show a little bit about how you had been in charge of this large kind of a national company's marketing budget in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then when you were doing work with other people, kind of marketing to the same group of people, you found out that a whole bunch of that money was wasted. Do you want to get into that a little more? Because I think that's a good story. Yes, yes. So I was in corporate America as anybody else. I was in charge of the business for a high-tech company, you know, for a large geography. And I, I you know, I had some budget to spend marketing-wise. And I, we will always have these, you know, conversations in the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, what's going to be the budget, how are we going to use it, et cetera. And I remember seeing all those numbers and analyzing them and having, you know, a PR agency and having, you know, this, this, translators. They're going to translate all these, you know, white papers. They're going to translate those white papers so we can make them available to these people. We would very rarely, very rarely have uh, webinars, maybe one product presentation, like features, functions, this kind of thing. But again, hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, I remember at some point we, we were very close to, to, to the million. And Obviously, I think everybody resonates with what I'm saying and why we were using the money or what we were using the money for. But as soon as I became my own boss and had my own consulting firm and I started to use, you know, to, to think, OK, so I am going to look for clients in this space. And actually, I'm going to look for clients in the same place where I used to, you know, that I used to serve before. But also, I'm going to offer my clients to reach out to my former clients as well. So what I'm trying to say is both for myself and for my clients. I was marketing to the same market that I was marketing before. And I realized that what I really had to do, what I really, really had to do was to engage with my future clients as soon as possible. Define somehow a journey, a journey in which I would like to take those potential clients, you know, of mine or of my own clients, right, through a journey. And I realized that most of the strategies, tactics that I was using before really didn't move the needle, really were, were not going to move the needle. I mean, for me, they were not serving me anymore. It's not that I didn't have white, white papers or it's not that I didn't have case studies. No, no, no. It's that in reality, what I want to have is how can I shorten the path to having conversations to my suspects, leads, prospects, you know, eventually clients? How do I shorten that path? And then I started using like email campaigns, but again, the wording, the copywriting using the, on those campaigns that I would I would develop myself was totally different. You know, I took some, I went to some, you know, online marketer conferences. I bought some books. I signed up for some courses, and I realized that our copy, our copywriting, the text, you know, the swipe files that I was sending to my former clients at corporate was never going to move the needle. So that allowed me to see, oh my god, how many inefficiencies were when I was in corporate compared to what I'm doing now. And also, this relates not only to marketing, Matt, but I also would like to tell you a conversation I had with, with the director of one of the largest and more important business accelerators in the country. She would tell me, you know, right now, Angel, in order to launch to the market a disruptive technology, we only need maybe $10,000, $15,000. I'm seeing today disruptive technologies sent to the market. I know that a few of them you know, are going to be really successful in the future. I can tell you that only like five years ago, I would need hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to do the same thing. So the world is changing. 
I think that the distance between potential clients and we as vendors is a shortening because we are able to have a more human, more direct, no so many precautions kind of conversation with our future clients. And I think that that makes a big difference. I mean, I have never taken again any, any, you know, PR course. I haven't hired a PR agency. Do I need it? Well, maybe, but I already know what to do and how to do it. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's just me reaching out to someone, offering some value, some content. As you know, there's a lot of outlets out there, Matt, that are looking for content every day. Yep. As far as you stick to some sort of editorial, you know, calendar and you're consistent with what you do and it's obviously it's of value, it helps people, then I guarantee you that you're going to have some result and you can build up that result that you keep on, keep on uh, you know, creating every single day. So when you talk about editorial calendar... You're talking about a content calendar where you're going to schedule. These are the things that I'm going to write or write about. And then where, what are you doing with that content that's being created? Well, the first thing, every single piece of content I create, I go to all my social media outlets and I consistently, you know, I build my history and my stories, excuse me. I build my reels, my videos. I mean, I upload to all those different you know, platforms, I upload my content on a daily basis. Okay, so this content can be related to my own content, to what we do at you know, the CEO Confident as a brand, or it can be content from my client, or it can be personal stuff. And last year, 2020 was a great example. I, I literally posted more on personal stuff, let's say on soft stuff, you know, building bridges and helping people and trying to meet the human being behind all those C-level executives and professionals that live on LinkedIn, you know, trying to connect with them at the personal level. And people, you know, eventually reach out to me, hey, I, I follow you. I really like your stories. There's something new every day. And also when you ask me, what do I do for that content? I think that that content is also the basis for many other things. Probably if I had not posted I mean, I, I started to post my own content consistently, like on a daily basis during 2020. Before it was like once a week. Now it's every single day. Every single time I develop a new content, this is going to be the basis also for an article, for a talk on a podcast show. And it's the same as the podcast shows. You know, the beauty about being interviewed by you today is that we are having a unique conversation. This conversation I will never have again, never, ever. You and I, we both know that there might be someone right now listening or whenever we know this airs, that they will resonate with this message and they will find value in our conversation. So that means that that was valuable and that could be probably or will become the source for, for another piece of content that they can use specifically to inspire someone, to reach out to someone. You know what, what we call in the sales arena, like a reason to call or a unique selling point. Like, you know, I would like to share this with you. You know, it's, it's a matter of, knowing exactly what you want to communicate and with who. I think podcasting, especially right now, I know it's kind of growing and you can't throw a rock without hitting a podcaster these days, right? <laughs> but that's really only in the kind of marketing and sales space. Outside of that, and maybe some of the creatives, right? Outside of that, people are that are your audience, right? I mean, there's everybody who has a marketing company knows somebody who has a podcast, but not everybody who's just, you know, your average Joe on the street knows anybody who does a podcast, right? They listen to the podcast. They listen to them. Yes, exactly. And one thing that you hit on was talking about consistently delivering content. And I think that's a big thing 
with podcasts, just like any other medium is you need to get it on a schedule, right? You got to get on a schedule where you're like, I'm like when we banged it up to two episodes a week, it's a lot of time, right? But learning how to kind of market them more quickly and efficiently and, and get the recording and everything done more efficiently. I mean, I used to be spending three to five hours a week doing one episode a week. Now I spend three hours to do two episodes a week. So we're able to build some efficiency into the system. And then, you know, I have my sound guy cuts out three or four clips out of every show. And we use those for our social media content. And then eventually we're going to use those for kind of like highlight reels and stuff like that. And, you know, to put together kind of best of, you know, every year we do a best of podcast uh, episode. And and so there's all kinds of stuff. And then you can use it to talk about on your social media. You can go on other people's podcasts. There's so many opportunities right now around podcasting. I agree. But it, I think, you know, as, as far as you feel com- comfortable, you know, as, as a guest, if you feel comfortable doing it, it's a great, great way to have unique conversations to help people in a, in a unique way. And every single person obviously, you know, asks different questions. And every single person, and, and I also can guarantee you that probably depending on the context and the frame of reference that you're asking me a question, probably the same question, I will, I'm going to be answering it from a different point of view as well. So you, you mentioned something very important and I think that entrepreneurs that are out there, and that's why we, all, we will always have an advantage over corporate in, in the marketing arena is like, we don't have to be so hard on ourselves. You know, it's probably when you change from one to two, right? It was a big thing, but you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, what happens if, you know, this, you know, this thumbnail is not that good or this overlay or this credit at the end or this outro didn't really like, you know, we couldn't, you know, the transition wasn't smooth enough. You know, I mean, we have to be, I think that people are getting used to the imperfection and more concerned about the content itself and how genuine it is and how spontaneous it is. You know, it's, it's how it's spontaneous. And there are some decisions there, though, that need to be made on any type of content. And I'll tell you about one specifically is we had started our podcast and we were recording it. We had crappy equipment. We didn't have a person to edit it. I mean, I was going to edit it myself. And I just I was not happy with the sound quality. And the sound quality doesn't have to be perfect, as you can tell, because I'm using this headset because I don't have my mic still. But like I was I had this problem where I was driving in my car and I'm listening to a podcast by someone who's supposedly a professional that's done it for years. Right. And I can't hear the guest. Wow. I, I mean, it just makes it worthless. Right. Because you can't hear the actual sound. So just like on anything, the audio has to be clear if you're doing a podcast, if you're doing YouTube you better have good lighting because nobody's going to watch a thing that just looks like shadows on a dark background, right? If you're writing on your website, you better not have some weird font or like light pink on top of a pink background or something, right? Or it has to be legible if it's writing. You need to use editing, proofreading. But like you said, the imperfections though, uh, beyond that, you know, the barrier to entry level, Yeah, you can still have imperfections and people love it. You know, I hear podcasts with millions of listeners and if errors in them you can hear background noise or somebody ruffled a chip bag or something right you know, <laughs> they leave it in yes exactly i think that we i mean as far as you are courageous enough and daring enough to show up either as a guest or as a host that's the number one thing that's the baseline then you start building you, you get a big a better mic a better headphone headset excuse me you know you, you get you get an improving but again the most important thing is your message 
It's your message. It's your message. <laughs> Talking about messages, LinkedIn messaging. I mean, we've had several people talk about LinkedIn marketing from different angles on the show before. And but you had said that you use kamikaze marketing techniques. I wondered if you wanted to explain that a little more, what a kamikaze marketing technique is. Yes. So I made the decision, the conscious decision in 2016 that LinkedIn was going to be the place where my clients would be and where they would be. Like I have a certain level of influence on, on LinkedIn, you know, tens of thousands of connections, blah, blah, blah. I call them my kamikaze because life's too short to be with the wrong people, number one. And that obviously relates to your connections and the connections you generate on LinkedIn. I wanted to go from the hundreds of connections to the thousands while creating warm connections with all that, all these people. So I literally reach out to every single, you know, coach, LinkedIn coach, LinkedIn expert, influencer, you name it. And I hired a few of them and I started using, you know, their knowledge, their courses all over the place. And I obviously I started to try all those things. And you know, guess what? I did not like what I saw <laughs> because it wasn't working for me. It wasn't working. I was following those templates, those swipe files that they gave you. You know, you change the name and it's going to work out for you. It didn't work. So I said, okay, so how do I put myself on the shoes of the people I want to connect with so that they feel comfortable connecting with me systematically? And I literally deleted all my connecting messages and I started using one sentence, one sentence connection messages. And then my connection rate started to increase. Because my connection message is extremely simple. Like, you know, as if you meet someone on a networking event, what's the first sentence that you say? Are you going to tell them everything? I mean, right now I'm receiving about 40, 50, literally every single day, messages from different people that want to connect with me. I mean, there are, there are three pages messages. That's crazy. People that don't know me. Again, I don't know one single person that has connected with me only with one message of, you know, one sentence long. I don't know anybody. So that's why I call it kamikaze because, okay, so it's very short. So, you know, they, they will be open or not to connect with me, but if they kill me forever and they say, no, I don't want to connect. And he's not, you know, what's, what's that sense? When, when you say not to connect, you ignore, and then you say, I don't know that person. And, but then you can still click on, and actually LinkedIn penalizes you if the person that you want to connect with, they not only click ignore, but they also say, I don't know that person because you are supposed to connect only with people that you know. You know, so I started sending those messages one sentence and people started to connect with me consistently. And then as opposed to what everybody teaches, which is immediately right after, hey, start throwing all that value, tell them what you do or try to, no way, that's not me. I never did that. I mean, yeah, don't do that. So, the only, I can tell you, I only connect with the people on my network, many of them only maybe once a year, unless there's something relevant that I think can help them. And I might reach out to them. Hey, we've been connected for a while. I just conducted that survey on LinkedIn and this is the result. And as it is related to the same function that you have in this company now, that might be interesting to you. Okay. So again, it's the same thing. You know, when you talk to people, what would you do? How would you do it? You know, that's one thing. That's why I call it, you know, kamikaze marketing, because I don't follow any of the advice, any of the pieces of advice that I, I typically receive from other people. And even if people would say, oh, my God, you, you let the, that relationship dormant for six months, one year. Why not? If I don't have anything relevant to tell that person, why should? Do I engage with their posts, with their content? I do. Do I, you know, tell them happy birthday? I do. 
Do you congratulate them when they change positions? I do. Do I endorse them? Well, if I have a reason to endorse their skills, I will. But if I don't, I will not do it. You know, it's like, have you ever had this thought, Matt, that there's a lot of people out there that are selling courses, that they are more and more and more and more and more value and things and spreadsheets and, 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 and documents and just for the sake of giving away a lot of value, but that does not necessarily help you move the needle for your business. No, 100%. Most of the stuff on the internet's crap. So <laughs> you pay, let's say you pay $1,997 for an eight-week eight course. There's plenty of them out there, as you know, of these top-level marketeers. And, and you know, most of, these, most, most of these guys have great value, but there's a lot of people also that they just fill it up with things that the worst thing is that they're not useful. Right. It's proven, Matt, that you have to be focused on something. Focus on something, become good at that, even if it's a very small part, a very small strategy, then figure out if it works or if it doesn't, and then move to the same thing. But don't try to build this big, massive castle called LinkedIn marketing strategy. Spend a lot of money, spend a lot of time, and then guess what? You probably wasted most of your time. Absolutely. You know, I have a LinkedIn strategy that I've never seen anyone else do until I did it. And it is in my title. It says, won't DM you to sell anything. Awesome. And as soon as people read that, they connect with me. <laughs> That's it. I, I can't remember the last time somebody turned down a connection request for me. Because you know what they want? They want to be connected to people. Of course. They just don't want people to bug them. Yeah, exactly. They don't want people messaging them like the ones an eighth of a second after you hit connect. And then you're like, hey, it's so great to have a connection with you. Some automated BS message that gets more and more desperate the more time that you don't reply. Right. Sometimes I'll just hit the thumbs up button on them because I want to see what the next message is. Right. And then I'll just wait till it gives me more and more messages for longer time. And then after I've read them all, like skimmed them all, honestly, just to see what the BS they're trying to tell me is. And then I remove them as a connection and block them anyway. But don't do that. <laughs> it's not it's it's not like spamming is not a thing. There's this guy that I connected. I accepted the connection, his connection. He's been sending me two video messages a week since the beginning of November. Wow. How can someone expect that there's going to be some rationale in this relationship? You know, the only reason I haven't disconnected with this guy is because I don't want to waste my time to do it. I have no idea what those messages are about. You know, he's there, his content is there, but this is the wrong thing to do. And to your point, which I think is brilliant, my point is, uh, you know, my message, my one, you know, one of my one sentence messages is, what do you think about connecting in case we might help each other in the future? That's it. Absolutely. That's it. You know, it's, it's between those lines. I mean, we might be able to help each other in the future. That's it. You know, nothing else. No pressure, no second message, no 10 days after the first message, there's a second one. No, that doesn't exist in my world. The article that, that was the predecessor to the book Permission Marketing that was written by Seth Godin, was in 1998. Look at that. Which was 23 years ago. Seth Godin said, you should get someone's permission before you market to them. Absolutely. Right? It's All he's saying is don't spam people. For almost 25 years now, quarter of a, <laughs> of a century. There's people spamming me now that are younger than that book. 
permission marketing has been a thing. And you know what? People say, well, I'm going to play the numbers, right? If I send a million messages and I get one, that's great. Well, no, it's not, right? Because you've got 999,000 people that hate you. <laughs> you know, it's it's like the 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 crazy drunk a hole at the bar at the nightclub or whatever who goes around asking every girl out, <laughs> right? And he says, "Well, sooner or later, one of them is going to go out with me." Yeah, but do you really want to go out with that one? <laughs> at what cost, exactly? Right, at what cost? And and it could be a girl asking guys out. I'm not singling guys or girls out here for anything. But what I'm saying is. Get people's permission before you market to them. And if you have, I mean, there's nothing to say. You can't send somebody something that you're going to, they're going to find interesting or that you might be relevant to them, but just don't put them on an automated bot campaign. That's going to send them bullshit that they don't want. They, they just, they're never going to do business with you ever. Yes, exactly. And in order to reach a point, for instance, last week, just to give you an example. Last week I sent a, a campaign to probably like four or 500 people extremely like I, 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 I spent Half an hour, like handpicking the people, but it's people that have been with me for over two years and, you know, they do a specific work, a specific function. I'm sending them something which can be of their interest. So, you know, I'm, I'm very open, you know, this might be of interest to you because it, it's, it's, it, it's a video about this and it's a video this long and it, it is about this, you know, and to your point right now, I'm having a very nice over 15% response, you know, to that campaign. And, you know, and, and I'm ready if, if someone doesn't feel comfortable, you know, some people tell me, no, I don't want it. Okay, that's okay. And some people don't respond. And I, I, I still, it's okay. But also, right now, LinkedIn gives you the chance. I mean, you know, when someone has been having activity online, Sales Navigator tells you when people have been active, you know, on their posts or commenting for the last 30 days. So, so you don't have an excuse to know who is open and willing to engage because they are active. And who is not, you know, so things are easier and easier and easier. I mean, it's easier to be asking for permission to market someone. Here's a good example. And this kind of goes right along the thing with your what you're saying. Somebody commented on another post of a guest that I had on the show. And then I commented on the same post on LinkedIn. And we had like a quick little conversation. And I clicked on her bio right on LinkedIn to see what she does. And I said, hey, you know what? It looks like you do something super interesting in the marketing world. You know, maybe we should connect up and we'll talk about maybe it's a good fit for you to be on the podcast. They message back. Oh, I'd love to be on the podcast, you know, yada, yada. So I had her on the show, which was great. Right. And then shared her episode out when it went out. And then she took a couple clips out of the episode that we supplied her. And like three months later, she kind of goes back and uh, she talks about content repurposing. So anyways, she's repurposing the content by using it months later puts it out. I see it on LinkedIn. I comment on it. She says, oh, you know, it's so great to talk to you again. And then she messages me to be on uh, a summit that she's doing. And now I'm going to be on this show for her. And all of this happened through LinkedIn and none of us spammed each other and none of us did any kind of like underhanded marketing or anything. It's just naturally happened. We connected. We found, you know, interest that would be good for each of our business and we're helping each other out. Right. And, uh, you know, that's a great way to do business, I think. Absolutely. I have I have one of the members of my team just to screen every message I receive to see if there's an opportunity to to really genuinely have a conversation, a serious conversation with someone. And of all my, again, I have 40 or 50 a daily. So, I mean, it's what, almost, I mean, 200, 300, 400. It's, uh, yeah, it's 300, 300 a week. 
So they screen those messages to me. When I analyze those messages, there's only literally one or two per week that they're really, you know, open messages saying, hey, I do this. It maybe it would make sense for us to talk to see if there's some synergy of if it would make sense to do something together. And then you realize, I mean, then you look at the, their profile and you see if it makes sense. But yes, I, I think that Seth was really, <laughs> was really spot on when he wrote the book. Yeah, it's definitely ahead of his time. But one thing that I found super interesting that you had said earlier was about how much money in corporate marketing is spent that is wasted on kind of the wrong type of content and kind of amplifying things that people are not going to respond to. And the flip side of that is what content do you think that entrepreneurs or, you know, customers are going to respond to rather than white papers and, and this kind of thing? First, I think that before the content, I think that we have, you have to start establishing just a personal relationship with that people. And I think that right now, again, going back to LinkedIn is the, is the perfect place because you can comment to their post, you can comment to their comments on their post. Again, it's normal. It's the same thing you would do on a networking event. It's the exact same thing. Or let's say you meet on a startup week or you meet on a whatever, a presentation of a book, right? That's the exact same thing. So try to mimic the same thing to start building that relationship. Second, what kind of content? Number one, I think that everything that relates to personal stories, you know, to the personal journey of something, things that people can relate to, one of the most important mistakes that even the entrepreneurs make is that when they're trying to find their persona or their avatar, they're trying to be too broad because they think that, you know, we are raised in a world of scarcity. We're talking about the scarcity before, right? right? This mental trigger. We think that we will not find enough clients and unless our net goes everywhere and we try to fish every single fish from every single pond. That's so wrong. That's not true. So the more specific we are on that content that we develop, the more specific we are to relatable stories, the better it is. I'm, I'm extremely blessed because I have a, a gifted kid at home. I have three kids, okay? And my 12-year-old kid, he's an extraordinary copywriter, like amazing. He uses words, terms, things. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. Very often, I tell him, hey, please listen to this interview I just gave to whoever and try to find a subject matter that, I think, that you think my audience is going to resonate with. He comes back. He comes back to me with two or three different subject matters. He he writes posts like you know thirteen hundred, thirteen hundred characters long, as as what you know, and they are so simple, but at the same time they are so personable, and those stories are so true. And we talk about the emotions, and we talk about the repercussions in the daily life of the people. That people really like them, and people really engage. How much does he charge? <laughs> No, he charges. He he makes sure that I pay for his video game subscriptions at the end of the month. That's right. You got to give him some Robux if you want to get stuff written. (laughs) Exactly. No, but let let me tell you, I mean, between what he got from from me and what he got from watering the garden of a good friend of ours last summer, he was able to buy himself a nice computer, you know, assembled his own thing, you know, and he's very knowledgeable about, you know, the the CPUs and the graphic cards and then the monitors and all those, all those things. He's, he's extraordinary. What I'm trying to say is that it doesn't have to be perfect. 
It doesn't have to be perfect. And you don't have to start writing 1300 characters, which is, a, you know, it, it, you, you have to put some, <laughs> some, some good thoughts. You have to put some energy in that. Exactly. It started with three, four sentences and it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Just three or four sentences that you think are going to meet your avatar, your persona, wherever they are. You know, one of the subject matters I wrote the most last year was about <laughs> building bridges. You know, everybody talking about polarizing, finding finding enemies and so many more things. No, 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 no. I was worried because I really wanted people. To, first, because I stand, uh, you know, I stand for <laughs> building bridges. I stand for even if you are from there, I am from there. We still have common grounds. And <laughs> in general, I think that we as human beings, we want to help each other and we want to be good. And, we, you know. And, and that's how the world works, regardless of whatever, you know, media of any origin can tell you, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. So that's why I, I wrote so much about it. And I think that people like to hear, you know, light things like not heavy, you know, light messages, but they're very simple to to understand. But they still relate to something that can be a frustration or can be a, a source of uh, confusion and uncertainty. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I agree with you. And uh, something we've talked about on the show a lot is kind of the opposite of all this kind of hatred and cancel culture stuff is that people are kind of dying for connection right now, right? Everybody's, they're at home, they're stuck by themselves or with, you know, just their direct family. I agree. Um, which isn't so bad, right? In a lot of cases, but you know, people are, they, they don't have good friends like they used to have. People don't have friend groups like they used to have, right? There's a lot less kind of, you know, groups of stuff were just kind of starting to pick up. Like it's been the boom of like role-playing games and tabletop games and puzzles, right? And, and all of these things are making these huge comebacks because they're things that people can do in person together without any technology. Yeah. Because everybody's got their phone on them all the time, right? But there's no reason like that you can't all get together around the table and play a game or something. Cause that's something that's been missing from people's lives. Right. Oh yeah. And that, that people are dying for connection. So you should be, if you can try and connect with someone, they are, they're all out there just waiting for you. They're waiting for you to connect with them. You know what? My favorite, my most popular content on LinkedIn has been lately. Tell me. It's been me like one picture of me chainsawing down a tree across a driveway because I had to talk about how now I'm in Nova Scotia, I got to keep a chainsaw in the back of the car so I get into the <laughs> driveway of my brother's place, right? In case a tree falls down. I talked about how my hot water heater went out. I talked about, you know, when we moved to Nova Scotia, how difficult I've, of a time I've been having trying to get reasonable internet to use for my business, right? Yeah. People love it. They love it. You know what? I don't have to be like, here's six ways that you can, uh, <laughs> you know, to improve your SEO without lifting a finger, like, you know, fuck off. There's enough of that shit out on the internet right now. Right. And most of it's crap anyway. So all that, all those articles you read on the internet are just repurposed from other articles that were repurposed from other articles. So now you've got six to eight year old information and no wonder it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Find people, you know, like Angel, who you can connect with, who have real things to say and real ways to help you with real data Thank you. And avoid the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, and again, don't follow. I mean, I, I, I was fortunate. A friend of mine asked me last week to write the foreword for his book. And it's about leadership. And as I was writing it, actually, for the entire foreword, I was talking about reconnecting with yourself. 
because they think that we are giving away our power continuously to outside of ourselves. So what you were telling, what would you, would you just explain? I think it's the same thing. Don't try to follow someone's lead without thinking about it. Don't just follow the pack because everybody says that that should be the right thing to do. No, honestly, the response is inside of, of, of inside of you, even if you don't know anything about that subject, you know, just don't take anything by the face value. Honestly, don't take anything by the face value. Try it on, try it, try it, try it, and just decide by yourself if it works, perfect. But I couldn't agree more. And I haven't, I haven't shared this with you, but the main reason why I created Wisdom for Kids is because I consider that my mission is to connect the unconnected. And I said, I said to myself the day I had an epiphany when I, you know, that created, that eventually originated the creation of Wisdom for Kids. And the, the epiphany was I had done consistently so much work and I had helped so many CEOs. So the most powerful people in Latin America, but at the same time, I was always, you know, meeting with those very poor kids. So I was extremely privileged to do business with the top people in the country, in, in those countries. But at the same time, every time I would go to visit a manufacturing plant, guess what? It was surrounded by kids and families that couldn't make their ends meet. So I would meet with all those, you know, underprivileged kids. So that day that they had this epiphany, I said, who is going to connect all those unconnected people, all those unconnected kids? When will they be able to be inspired to do something different with their lives in the world? Who's going to do it? If it's not me, who's going to do it? That's why connection is a big, is a big word for me. The connection, you know, promoting the people to become, you know, to, to be connected because right now nobody's going to help them connect. Nobody, nobody. You know, there's something interesting that, that you kind of hit on there. And uh, I know we're running a little short on time because I have another recording coming up, but I wanted to get this in quick also, is that when you ask the question, who is going to do this thing and who is going to solve this problem or who's working on this issue? And you realize that nobody is working on that issue. There's a huge opportunity there, whether that could be in, you know, charity work or whether that's in business. You know, you look at like the guy who started Impossible Foods. Mm. He's a doctorate, I, I believe, in biology. I can't, his name escapes me right now. But he was like, well, he's studying the biomass on the planet, how there's like more weight of like cows and sheep and chicken and pigs by like a thousand times compared to the total weight of people on the planet, right? And there's greenhouse gas emission problems and there's water pollution issues and land pollution issues and all these things that go along with mass farming. And he's like, why isn't somebody doing something about this? Right. And, you know, and then he was like, wait a minute, maybe I should do something about this. Right. And he made this plant based kind of meat alternative. He started that whole revolution of of these kind of plant based, really kind of closely imitating meat product out of, you know, soy roots and all this kind of stuff. But when you ask the question, how come no one's doing anything about yes. this problem and you go out and research it and no one is doing anything, there's a huge opportunity there. There is. And it's much simpler than what you think. I mean, I, I am a fan of imperfect foods. I mean, I, I am a client. I, I get my box every every Wednesday delivered and it's a great idea. They even, they even send you emails saying, hey, that's how much you save to the planet. I mean, I, I get these fancy carrots and this fancy, you name it, but still, they're extremely tasty. Right. Much more tasty than any other, you know, carrot out there. And as far as I'm, you know, I'm willing to eat a carrot that has a different shape, just to give you a specific example, because I could give you many other examples of foods that they deliver, but... Yeah, imperfect produce box. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I, I, absolutely. You know, just go for it. Just try. Just proof test. Proof test what you think is going to be a good idea of of a product or of a service, and take it from there. You know what? I haven't been in Nova Scotia very long, but I'm trying to find somebody to fix my hot water heater that's oil fired, and I got. Is it the electrician? Because it's got electrical. Is it the oil guy? Because, you know, it's oil fired. Is it the plumber? Because it's a hot water heater, right? I don't know. I can't find these people. (laughs) I don't know where to look. I actually had to open a yellow pages and look in there, but then there's nobody in my city. So I'm like, how do I find these people? Well, you know who's going to solve that problem? I'm going to solve that problem. So that somebody who comes here after me and moves, they don't have to have go through this. So we're going to build out, you know, a solution so that contractors and, and companies who, who deal with homeowners and businesses can all list their website on there and, and, you know, list their service and their phone numbers so that somebody can find them. And you know what, is that going to turn into a big business someday? Probably not, but is it going to drive some business for my company? Uh, I mean, eventually it probably will, but is it going to help a lot of people? Yes. Yeah. And if you get that, yes, is it going to help a lot of people? And the answer is yes. Then you should do it. Yes. And, you know, I always remember in 2012 when I went to this Tony Robbins event and, and that, that that's such a, you know, big, massive truth that everybody should know about that all the, all the kids in the world is like your wealth is always going to be, you know, proportional to the amount of people that you're going to serve. So if you keep that in mind, then you know that you have to work on how to make that delivery of your product or service easy and how, how to not only deliver it easy, but also how to help a lot of people, a lot of people. So, you know, you eventually can can make a living out of it. But absolutely, to your point. Absolutely. Angel Rebo, the CEO confidant. I assume it's LinkedIn, but if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, LinkedIn is definitely one of the one of the easiest places because again, if not me, my team is gonna respond to all the messages or any message. And directly you can also send me an email. It's very easy. My email address is angel at angelrebo.com. Angel is spelled as in angel in heaven. And Rebo as in R-I-B as in boy, O, angel at angelrebo.com. Perfect, Angel. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Matt. And thank you to everybody, all the audience that's been listening to us today. Thank you. Thanks, guys. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.